Welcome to a special message with Michael Anthony at CourageMatters.com. Today, we have a special guest speaker, Pastor Joe Ercoli from Grace Fellowship in York, Pennsylvania. Pastor Joe is the next steps pastor at Grace Fellowship, where Michael Anthony serves as the lead pastor. So hold on to your seats as Pastor Joe teaches from God's Word. How many of us, by a round of applause, how many of us want to experience an ever-deepening relationship with God through His Word? Round of applause. All right, so good. We're awake. We're tracking. Okay, good. How many of us, by a round of applause, want to grow in intimacy with the Lord through prayer? Okay, good, good. Well, we're going to look at a topic this morning that's going to absolutely, I promise you, revolutionize your life and help you to have a more enriching and deeper walk with the Lord. And it's, it's a secret that I kind of stumbled upon, and I want to share it with you guys. And the secret is this. If we want to experience the power of God with ever-increasing intensity in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in this nation, then you and I need to create and cultivate the daily practice of preeding. The daily practice of preeding. Now, you might be wondering, what in the world is this guy talking about? What is he talking about, preeding? What is that? You're not going to find it in the dictionary. It's not a real word. I just made it up. And it's a principle that I do believe we, we find in God's word. So if we were to give a simple definition for preeding, what is preeding? Well, it is reading through God's word and then praying back God's word to him, personalizing it for yourself or for someone else or for a group of people. Let's say maybe this, this local body of believers right here or maybe our nation. It's very similar to what the psalmist talks about when he says, blessed is the individual, the man or the woman who meditates day and night on the word of God. And when that word meditate is used, it's not used in kind of the context that it's used today in our culture, where we would say meditating means like, okay, we're going we're gonna to do some ohms, we're going to sit Indian style, and we're going to do some type of meditation, we're going to recite some mantra, we're going to have some type of positive thinking. That's not at all what the Bible means when it says meditate upon God's word. What it means is that you and I are in God's word to such an extent that as we're in the word and we're praying the word back to God, that word is actually sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into our core of who we are, into the very fiber of our beings. It's what Paul means when he says that we are to renew our minds with the word of God. That's meditation. Meditating on God's word. So to bring it up to 2017, we're going to use the word preeding. We're going to learn what it means to preed, okay? We're preeding. Now, if you have grown up in the church or you've been in the church for any length of time, you've probably heard a whole lot on what I would call the two twin spiritual habits or practices or disciplines, doesn't matter what word we want to use, the two spiritual practices that really serve as the bedrock to create space in our lives for us to commune and grow with God. And number one is reading what? What is this? 
The word, right? Yeah. Reading the word, getting into God's word. And number two is praying. Praying, fellowshipping, communing with the Lord. Can you imagine that? Like that's a real thing, guys. The God who made everything, the God who sustains everything, right now holding every fiber of our beings together, we have access to him through his word and through prayer. And however, when we talk about those spiritual practices, at least in my experience, they often, they often don't overlap. They're kind of just reading the words over here and, and then praying is kind of over here. And we could maybe even add a third and that would be me- uh, memorizing God's word, memorizing God's word. And they don't really overlap. And again, I'm just speaking from my experience here, growing up in the church, I used to have and sometimes still have, but by God's grace, it's gotten better. I used to approach reading the word and praying in what I would call a fast food approach. You know, you you see these devotionals, five minute a day devotionals. And there's, please don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with those. But my approach was, it was fast food. It was, okay, I'm gonna read this passage and I'm gonna put God's word down and I'm just gonna go about my day. And my view on prayer was even worse. It was even more than just fast food. It was like almost non-existent. And my attitude on prayer was, well, you know, God is so busy doing other things. Like he really isn't that concerned about the things that are going on in my life. You know, except the really big stuff because he's kind of a big picture God. At least that was my impression of him. And so you kind of develop this attitude, at least I did, you know, God helps those who help themselves. And I only really need to go to him if I'm really in trouble. It's, it's kind of like where that saying, there's no atheists in foxholes comes from. You might've heard that before. And that was my view. And it's sad. It's so sad. And I'll tell you what, when I was a freshman in college, God wrecked me. He wrecked me in a good way. And he opened up my eyes to who he is. And so I started to get into the word and I started to see, oh my word, what have I been doing? This fast food approach, guys, God has laid out a feast in front of us. And the psalmist uses words like taste and see. These are tactile words, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I got into the word and I said, oh my God, my view of you is so off. You want my heart. You want me. Just like every single person in this room today, he wants an intimate relationship with us, taking us on an adventure that we otherwise never would have gone on and have a story that we otherwise never would have written because our God is awesome. Yeah, and we can, we can clap, by the way. Our God is awesome. He's awesome. And, and then what happened is I started to read passages like, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 13. This blew my doors off the first time I read this. John, speaking to the church, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Now, hold up. What? What? If we ask anything according to his will, we can have confidence that he will give it to us? Are you kidding me? And what John is doing is he's actually quoting Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse seven, Jesus said to his disciples, if you abide in me, meaning if you dwell in me, if you live in me, if you make your home in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And see, and I had grown up in churches where we were highly suspicious of claiming anything in prayer. And rightfully so, we should be, okay? So what we're gonna talk about today isn't about, oh, I want a nice car, so I'm just gonna pray over the specifics of what I want and God's gonna give that to me. Is that what, is that what we just read? No, God is telling us, hey, if you pray anything according to my will, it will be given to you. Why? Because it's God's will. And how do we know what God's will is? He's revealed it right here in his word. And so that totally, totally revolutionized the way that I viewed prayer and reading God's word. Because these two separate practices really should go together. If we're praying in such a way that God is answering our requests and the contingency is that we're praying according to his will, how are we supposed to know what his will is? We have to get into the word, right? Does it make sense? We have to get into his word. We have to know what his word says. This is our solid footing. This is our solid rock. This is where we have a leg to stand on. This is why it's so important for us to be daily spending time in God's word, not because we have to, not because we're somehow gonna earn more of God's favor, but because we cannot worship a God that we don't know. So we have to be in his word. And if we're gonna pray in such a way that we're praying according to his will, we have to be in his word. So what does this look like? Practically, how do, how do we preed? We're back to that word again. How do we preed? Well, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're gonna look at verses three through five. This is Paul speaking to the church. And he says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we do that? Again, this is a passage that we should read and we should go, whoa, I'm gonna slow down on this one. God is saying that I have weapons that he's given me that have divine power to demolish strongholds in my life. Now, because I am unashamed, if anybody wants to join me, by show of hands, how many of us have struggles in our lives or strongholds in our lives? Okay, we're all in the same boat. Wonderful, wonderful. How do we overcome those struggles? How do we grow in Christ's likeness? How do we tap into who we truly are in Christ? See, what God is trying to show us is that we live way beneath our potential individually and way beneath our potential as a church, way beneath it. 
Guys, if I came into this auditorium this morning and I told you, you know what? 10 minutes ago, I just got hit by a Mack truck. Would you believe me if I was standing up here like this? No. But it's the very same thing that we do. It's the very same thing that I do. I say, I have encountered the living God and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. And it's the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. He dwells in us individually and he dwells in us collectively as his church. And I'm telling you, we live way beneath who we actually are in Christ. Way beneath it. And we struggle and we just try harder. And we try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and it ain't working. It ain't working. So what are our weapons? What do we do? We got to take up arms, spiritual arms. What are our weapons? God's word is the best interpreter of God's word. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 20. Paul's going to unpack what our weapons are. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, speaking to the church, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, supplication meaning earnest pleading through prayer. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what does this have to do with preeding? What does this have to do with growing in our walk with the Lord? I used to read this passage and I used to go, okay, this is wonderful. I have, and we collectively, we've been given this armor. It's God's armor that he's given to us. And I'd read it and I go through it and I go, you know what? That's really, that's a cool thing. God's given us this armor. Look, you know, this armor, it's over here. It's, it's, up, it's up here. These different pieces of the armor that he's given us. And I'd read my Bible. I know that passage. I'd put it down and I'd walk away and I'd go about my day. And as I'm going about my day, I'm getting pummeled. I'm getting pummeled. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, was, I was and sometimes am the only one in here who we go throughout our week and we get pummeled. And you know what I'm talking about? Relationships gone awry, struggles and strongholds that we have. And we're going, what? I'm not making any progress in this area of my walk with the Lord. And it's been years. Why am I struggling in this area? Why am I not growing in this area? And the fiery darts of the evil one hit, hit, hit. You're good for nothing. You don't measure up to the standard that God would have for you. 
You're worthless. You should be ashamed. I can't believe that a Christian like you would struggle with the things that you have. Can you hear the serpent whispering in your ear? Can you hear him? And see, what I forgot is that we are at war. Revelation chapter 12 says that Satan has come to wage war on those who follow Jesus. So I was reading this passage and going out spiritually naked, spiritually naked. I wasn't armoring up. I wasn't understanding who I was in the Lord. I just would read the Bible and there would be a level of cognitive information going into my brain, but it wasn't translating into me actually walking with God and walking out of the victory that I and we have been given in Jesus. So, looking at this passage, every single one of the pieces of armor is defensive except what? What is it? The sword. The sword. And what is the sword? Paul tells us, he says it's, it's the word of God. You remember Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, he said, no, 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 man doesn't live on bread alone, but he lives on every word that comes from the Lord. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and active, cutting to the very marrow, meaning the very core of who we are leading us and directing us in God's ways. But I was wondering, why am I not experiencing this? I'm getting into the word and I'm reading. I I don't understand. I'm reading these things. I have this information up here, but it's not translating into actual life. So how do we put the armor on and how do we take up the sword, which is God's word, and actually use it? What do we do? Paul tells us in verse 18, You see, there's actually not just one offensive weapon, there's two. Verse 18, Paul says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. Paul is showing us, you have been given, church, and you, Christian, have been given everything, as Peter says in 2 Peter chapter one, everything for life and godliness. He's given it all to you. Now, take it and put it on. How do we put it on? Praying. We pray. We pray. That's how we pick up the word of God. That's how we see God's word activated in our lives. This is where the power is at. But see, we miss it because we're too busy reading this and going, well, you know, God says I got to put this armor on. So I guess I'm just going to try to put this armor on. I guess I'm just going to go out into the world and just, you know, try to combat the lies that come my way with God's word. But there's no prayer. There's no surrender. There's no asking the Lord to put this armor on us. So what do we do? We pray and we put this armor on. So we prayed. So what I want to do is I want to show you guys what does this look like for us to preed through God's word? And we're gonna, we're gonna preed through this passage, okay? So I want you to join me in this as we pray. And I want you guys to be able to take this home with you so that as you're reading God's word, you can actually start to see Jesus's promise come to reality in your own life. 
If you pray according to my will, ask and it will be given to you. So let's breathe through this passage. I want you to pray with me. This is what it looks like to put on the armor of God, okay? So we're gonna pray through this together. Lord God, I know and we know that apart from you and apart from your Holy Spirit empowerment that we are lost, that we have no chance, that we have no opportunity to live and embrace our full potential in who we are in you. And Lord, you make it so clear in this passage in Ephesians chapter six, that you've given us the armor of God. This is your armor giving it to us. And Paul tells us, Lord, in verse 11 and 13, to put that armor on. And so right now by faith, Lord, we're, we're taking up every piece of that armor. Lord, we put that belt of truth on. We want your word, Lord, to lead and guide and direct our thoughts and our attitudes and our actions. And we want the truth, the capital T truth, Jesus, to be the one who we're following and fixing our eyes upon, Lord. That's what we want. And Lord, we, we pray and we put on the breastplate of righteousness. And Father, help us to see that in Jesus, we are fully approved and we are fully loved and we are fully accepted. That we're not earning your favor, but rather he has taken all of our sin upon himself and taken our place on that cross. And it's by his righteousness that we follow you. Lord, help us to see that reality. And then Father, we put on the shoes given by the gospel of peace. God, we thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. We don't have anything to fear because you have taken fear itself away by removing the very thing that the author of Hebrews says terrifies each one of us and that is death. So we wanna experience and embrace that peace that we have in Christ. And Lord, help us to be prepared and to be ready to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus and what he's done in our lives. That's what we want, amen, everyone? That's what we want, Lord. And by faith, we take up the shield of faith, Father, which you promise us can extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. We take that up by faith, God. Give us discernment and give us wisdom. Jesus, you told us in John 14 that your Holy Spirit would bring your words to mind when we need them. Bring them to mind, God. Help us in that defensive posture to take those flaming darts, Lord, and put the shield up. And then, Father, we put on the helmet of salvation freely given to us by you, your grace, your undeserved favor, Father. We put that on. Would it guard our hearts and our minds that we're free in Christ and that you've given us your Holy Spirit to lead us in godliness? And then, Lord, by faith, we take up the sword of your spirit. Lord, we know that it is our very life Jesus, you said that we are to live on every word of God. That's what we want, Lord. We hunger and we thirst for more of you. God, we ask that you would implant your word so deeply within our hearts and so deeply within our minds, God. Wake us up from our apathy and our lethargy and our spiritual slumber, God that we would take up the armor and put it into action. 
And so by faith, through prayer, God, we put these pieces on and we ask not just in our own lives, but in this church, that we collectively armored up would be marching shoulder to shoulder under you, Jesus, you are our general, that we would be walking with you, advancing your kingdom through this church and that the unity that Jesus prayed for in John 15, when he said that the world will come to know him by the church's love and unity. God, we wanna experience that right here in this church. And we know that we can't experience it on our own. We know that apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing. So we surrender to you, Lord. Have your will and your way done within us. In Jesus' name and in Jesus' authority and in Jesus' power, we pray, amen. This is what it looks like for you and for I to preed through God's word, praying with the passion of the psalmist, laying himself bare before the Lord, transparency between ourselves and the Lord. We oftentimes wonder why when we get together and we pray, it's awkward. When we get into a group setting and we pray, it's awkward because Truth be told, we're not necessarily spending a whole lot of time with the Lord in our own lives. And that's not a guilt trip. Not a guilt trip. Guilting you into doing something will only last for a day. Our motivation needs to be, Lord, we want more of you and we're gonna continue to chase you down and draw near to you, Lord, because apart from you, we are lost. We need you. So pray through this passage. I encourage you, pray through this multiple times a week, not just for yourself, but for this church, not just for yourself, but for your wife or your husband or your kids or your family. And watch what God does. Watch what he does. One of our distinctives here at Grace and I'm not saying that other churches don't do this. I'm just saying in, in growing up in the church, I've never been part of a church like this that has a distinctive of emphasizing the applicability of God's word, right? So when, when we come and there's this feast laid before us on a Sunday morning, it's not just a head knowledge going in and I feel good about myself. a boy, you learned some new facts. You learned some new information. You learned about the context of a given passage. Those are all wonderful things, but you know what seminaries don't teach? They don't teach the applicability of God's word. And that's why we're dying in this nation. And that's why we're struggling in our families and we're languishing in our families because we don't know how to surrender to God. Reading his word and praying. So one of our distinctives, the applicability of the word, two life-changing questions. You guys have heard this before, but I encourage you to write them down again. Two life-changing questions when we get into God's word or when we're praying, what is God saying and how am I responding? Easy way to remember it, wigs and hair, wigs and hair, okay? What is God saying and how am I responding? And, and those are wonderful life-changing questions. Speaking from personal experience, they've changed my life. They really truly have when I get into the word and when I pray. But here's the danger, guys, here's the danger. What is God saying? I get into his word and I've shared with you before my struggle, the stronghold of fear and worry and anxiety in my life. I want you to know that 
me being up here isn't about me. It's about the Lord. And the Lord says that he makes his strength known through our weakness. And so the danger of asking these two questions is that I'll use an example from my life. What is God saying to me through his word? He's saying, don't fear. You know, he says it over 300 times. Fear not, fear not, don't fear. Trust me, have faith in me. So how am I responding? I might write down on my card in my life group. I might put down, okay, what's God saying? He's saying, don't fear. How am I responding? Um, try to not worry. Now, how well do you think that's gonna go for me? See, a stronghold, just like Rome wasn't built in a day, a stronghold wasn't built in a day and it ain't gonna go away in a day. So the secret is preeding. It bridges information and application. It takes what does God's word say and I'm praying it, surrendering it to the Lord and that's how I apply it, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, guys? So applicable to our lives. So I wanna share with you two passages this, this idea of strongholds, how we can take up the weapons that God has given us and begin to see progress in the areas of our lives that really ought to be under the lordship of Jesus and that Satan has no business and no room being in, in your life and in mine. So turn with me to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. And you guys have probably heard this passage before. Starting in verse 16, Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing things that you want to do. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, meaning this isn't an exhaustive list. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things, meaning those who make a habitual pattern, a way of life, walking in these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, love this but, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, what's amazing about this passage is that Paul He's just, he's so black and white right here, okay? Here's the works of the flesh, the things that are contrary to God's ways. And then here's the fruit of the spirit that God wants to manifest in our lives individually and together collectively as a church. And so while fear isn't listed in this list here as one of the things of the flesh, I know from God's word and we know that fear is not of God, right? We know that. So we, what we can do is we can use a passage like this to pray against temptations, struggles, strongholds that we might have. And I'm guaranteeing you 
from my own walk with God, not that I'm some super spiritual person. I'm just trying to put God's word into, into action, okay? I have learned that it's through surrender, it's through praying these things that I'm actually able to experience victory with ever increasing momentum. So what does it look like for us to preed through this passage? Well, let's preed through it together, all right? Let's preed through this together. Heavenly Father, you make it so clear in this passage what is of the flesh and what is of your Holy Spirit, God. And God, we invite you to search us as David said in Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me and show me if there's any offensive way in me, Lord. Anything that is contrary to you. Show me, Lord, Make it clear. And Lord, I know that you're bringing my fear to the surface, that that is not of you. And I acknowledge that my flesh and my old nature tempt me to run to everything but you when I am afraid. But Lord, I claim by faith my position and we claim by faith our position in Christ. You tell us in this passage that if we are in Christ, that our flesh has been crucified with Jesus. Lord, that means that these ways of my flesh, these temptations, these struggles, this stronghold of fear is not of you, Lord. And I'm asking you by your Holy Spirit to help me grow with ever increasing understanding who I am and who we are in you, that you've set us free from these things. And I'm asking you, God, and we're asking you, Lord, to replace our strongholds and our struggles with the fruit of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We want to experience your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your faithfulness and the self-control that comes from the Spirit. We surrender to you our struggles, our strongholds, claiming who we are in Christ. It's in his power we pray. Amen. So we pray that. I'm telling you, you pray that. This is, this is a daily thing. Jesus said, for those who are going to follow me, Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily surrender to the Lord, getting into his word, praying his word back to him, surrendering these things to the Lord. I'm telling you guys, I wish that this wouldn't have taken me 10 years to figure this out. I'm trying to save you time. I'm trying to help you experience victory in your own life, and in this church that we would live into the full potential of who we are in Christ. So another passage, this is specifically for the stronghold of, of fear. Turn with me to Philippians chapter four. I wanna show you guys another passage that I've been praying through almost on a daily basis because this is one of my strongholds in my life. Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, meaning earnest pleading through prayer. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything that's excellent or anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Don't miss what this passage is promising. This is a contingent promise. It's conditional. God's peace will guard our hearts and our minds when we do what? When we pray specifically with thanksgiving. This is a game changer. And again, I've read this passage thousands, literally because of fear, like thousands of times. And I used to go, God, I don't understand. I still struggle with this. I don't get, you won't take it away. But you say these things in your words. So are you really not good? Are you really not all powerful? Has that ever crossed your mind? But you know what God wants? God wants your heart. And he wants my heart. He wants to show us that we get to grow in godliness, grow in Christ's likeness when we surrender these things to him. It's so paradoxical. It's so counterintuitive to everything else in life. If you work harder, you earn more. If you try harder, usually you're gonna reap a reward from that. And God shows us over and over and over again, I'm your father, I love you, I'm all sufficient. I wanna take the strongholds, I wanna take the struggles that you have and the struggles that this church has. And I'm just, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you to come to me. Revelation chapter three, Jesus was locked out of his own church and he's knocking at the door. Hey, 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 let me in, let me in, let me in. And most of the time, nah, I'll figure it out. I'll be good. I would never say it that way, but that's what my actions show. Does that make sense? Guys tracking with me? Now, maybe you don't have that struggle, okay? Maybe it's just, this is just me, okay? But if we wanna grow in Christ-likeness, we wanna overcome strongholds, we have to pray through God's word. I wanna share one more thing with you. This is very, very important. This is what I would call missional, Preeding, missional preeding. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter four. And we're gonna be looking at verses three and four. Paul says this. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verses seven through 11. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I found in my own life that oftentimes if I share my faith with someone and I think, man, I just have such a burden for the lost. Gotta share my faith with people. But I don't spend any time praying it's an exercise in futility. 
See, we see from these, and these are just two passages. We know that salvation is a supernatural work of God. Amen. And we thank God for what he's done in our lives. But we often forget that he's called us to share that love with others. With those who don't yet know him. With those who are under God's wrath with those who, humanly speaking, you and I might write off as they're never going to come to know the Lord. And we know that that's not the Lord's will. First Timothy chapter 2, Paul says that it is not the Lord's will that any should perish apart from knowing Jesus. And so when we preed these passages, we look at them, and we go, Lord, I'm naming this friend, I'm naming this coworker, I'm naming this relative specifically, Lord. And I'm asking that you would do a supernatural work in their heart. I'm asking God that you would take the spiritual blindness and you would remove the scales from the eyes of their hearts, much like you did physically to Paul. God, you say in your word, Jesus, that it's your Holy Spirit that comes and convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. And God, I remember when you convicted me, when you showed me my need for Jesus, and I thank you for that, Lord, but I am not satisfied with these individuals not coming to know you, Lord. We know, and I know it's your will that you don't want any to perish apart from Jesus, so God, do that supernatural work in their hearts. And in their minds, bring about that conviction of the Holy Spirit. And God, give me and give us a burden for the lost. A passion to love the unlovable. God, that we really would be your mobile temples wherever we go. Your presence being made known through us and through me. God, do that supernatural work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I'm telling you, when you start praying that way, better watch out. Better watch out. Guys, God has been moving here. There is no mistaking that. There's no misunderstanding that. But unless we long for this to just be the tip of the iceberg, unless we yearn and we plead with God to continue to move in our midst and help to show us just how weak and just how feeble and frail we are in our own strength, until that happens, God's not gonna blow the doors off now, can he? Yeah, of course he can. But he waits for his people. He waits for us to seek him. And maybe you're thinking, this, this is so foreign. I don't even have that kind of a desire. Then start by asking God to place that desire in your heart. God, I want to hunger for you. I want to thirst for you, God. I want to know you. And I long to see you transform not just my life, 
not just the lives of those in this congregation, God, but that you would transform these communities and that you would work through us, your surrendered people, walking shoulder to shoulder with you. Jesus said that his house will be a house of prayer for the nations. Jim Cimbala, pastor at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Jim Cimbala said, you can know who loves the pastor by who comes on Sunday morning. You can know who loves the church by who comes to other events. And you can know who loves Jesus by who shows up at the prayer gatherings. Ouch. And again, that is not a guilt trip. Even him saying that is not a guilt trip. He's trying to help us understand. Holy smokes, the God who created and sustains everything wants to move ever so more mightily in our midst. And he's waiting. So I want to encourage you. Come to the pre-service prayer time. It's in room 200 before this first service from 8.30 to 9. If you have to leave earlier, go for it. If you come in later, that's fine. But this is what we do. We preed through scripture and we didn't even know that we were doing it because that wasn't even a thing until today. This idea of preeding through scripture, but that's what we were doing. And it's powerful. And to see what God's been doing and answering and, and how Pastor Mike shares with me, my preaching has changed. And there's, there's a power in that preaching that I can't explain other than I know that you're praying for me. I know that you're pleading with God to move. And almost every single week, people here are coming to know Jesus. And it's in response to those prayers. So come to that and then throughout the week, preed through God's word. This was just a little sampling of what it looks like. God wants to get his story so deeply within us that we live into and out of that story empowered by the Holy Spirit. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. We'd love to hear how this message impacted you. To share your story, visit CourageMatters.com and click on the Your Story tab. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.